All right, some of you may recall that last week I talked about the resurrection of Lazarus and what it revealed to us about the human nature, and not in the sense of human nature that we have, but the human nature of Jesus Christ. Not simply fully God, but also fully man. The fact that Jesus wept for Lazarus was related to the fact that Jesus loved him as a friend, that Jesus had experienced him on a human level. And we understand that, of course, that Jesus loves every one of us, but Jesus had a special, special relationship, of course, with certain people while he was on earth. And yet we also see that shortly after this time where Lazarus was resurrected and Jesus had this outpouring of emotion, Jesus was having another outpouring of emotion facing uh, the sacrifice that he was shortly to make for all people, a demonstration of his love for the entire world. Well, in John chapter 15, I was originally just going to read a, a limited amount of this, but I thought it was important to get the context of this. We are reading Jesus pouring out his heart, as it were, describing his love, his desire for his uh, his disciples, he, what he is hoping for for his disciples. And he has this really beautiful verse, a verse that I think can slip by us if we are not careful. He says, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. This is in verse 14 of John chapter 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have done, heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Now, there's so many things in Scripture, descriptions of us, that it's easy sometimes to lose sight of this. And there are certain, perhaps, descriptions of us or metaphors for us as Christians that perhaps we hold on to a little bit more strongly. Perhaps for some, it's identifying with a soldier metaphor, that we are soldiers of the Lord. For others, perhaps, as the children of God and God as our Father. And, of course, all of these are true. All of them are used to describe us. For others, perhaps, it's as sowers of seed, as farmers, as fishers. There's, there's other things, metaphors, that we may uh, hold on to. And we may hold on to them, probably, I would say, because of greater knowledge or experience. If you don't have as much knowledge or experience with farming, perhaps the farming metaphor won't grab you as much as if you have more experience with, for example, fishing. But we have here a description that is beautiful and hopefully that everyone can identify with, and that is Jesus saying that his followers, although, of course, still servants of him, that he would call them friends. And I was looking at this because this is really when you think about it, truly an incredible, incredible thing for Jesus to say, a beautiful thing to say, a beautiful thing for us to claim, to be friends of Jesus Christ. Friends of Jesus Christ, not simply, not in the uh, uh, sense of uh, a earthly friendship, uh, but friends that we can use earthly friendships to identify with. This was a very particular word he was using, a very particular analogy he was using, and I think it's very 
uh, very important for us to grasp. This is something, this is near the end of Jesus's time on earth, and he is, he is speaking to his disciples of this, and I think this is very important for us to focus on. But before we get further into this passage, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this incredible, incredible blessing that we can be called your friends, that we can, that you have loved us, Lord, not simply uh, that you have loved us in some sort of impersonal way, but Lord, that you desire to know each one of us personally and to be known personally of each one of us. Lord, I pray that tonight that you would speak through me and uh, speak through your word to my heart and all of our hearts, and Lord, that you would uh, bless us with uh, a, a word that glorifies you tonight, Lord, that we would all join in worship of you. In your name, amen. Now, when we're talking about friendship, each one of us, no doubt, has certain benchmarks that we can, have, that we can understand friendship with, and it's usually probably based on past experiences. Hopefully, each one of us here has uh, a number of friends, maybe a small number of very close friends, or a large number of somewhat less close friends. I remember uh, when my sister Libby was, uh, uh, we took a personality test and it determined that we are very different. And one of the different things about us is that Libby, Libby loyally has some very, very deep friends that are lifelong friends and I just kind of float along being friends with everybody. And that's uh, perhaps a little bit of a difference between Libby and myself. But friendship can mean different things to different people. It can, uh, it can be a word used to describe different things. There was a famous sports writer in town who uh, had a catchphrase that everybody was his close personal friend, even if perhaps he had only spoken to them behind a microphone once. But there was a benefit of being said to be friends with somebody. And perhaps each one of us have known people who seem to describe a friendship with a whole lot of people, generally based on their, uh, on their uh, ability to uh, uh, gain access to some way, in some way. Oh yes, that person is my friend. I have a friend who does this. You know, I know for myself, I have a friend in the diamond business. He's on all the commercials. And I, I'm, I haven't used that yet, but it's, it's pretty great. The reason that commercial uses that tagline is because people like saying, I have a friend in a certain walk of life. I have a friend in a certain position. Oh, I have a friend who used to uh, do this or does that. I have a friend who knows about cars. I have a friend who is this. Other people perhaps do it to curry prestige. I, I have a friend who is, you know, the aide to the governor and talks to the governor, you know, whatever it may be. We all have different uh, things that we describe here. And yet what Jesus is describing here is actual real friendship and friendship that is being determined and described by him. This is not people saying, oh yes, I'm friends with Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ saying, I have called you friends. And we see reflected in this friendship and hopefully have experienced in our relationship with Jesus Christ some of these hallmarks of friendship. Now, what is really remarkable about this is when we take a step back and understand what's being said here. Jesus, though fully man, is also fully God. And God did describe, it was described as a friend of, of Abraham, uh, but certainly the relationship between God and man in the Old Testament 
is not what we see reflected here in the New Testament. It's not that God changed, but Jesus coming to earth brought with him this new covenant and this new uh, relationship uh, between God and man, this, this friendship. And we see Jesus describing the disciples and those who do and follow out and carry out his commands as his friends. And when we think about friendship, the experiences we've had in our life with friendship, there's a variety of things that we value about friendship. Friendship, the opportunity we have in friendship to have somebody who is loyal to us. The opportunity to have a friend who cares about us. The opportunity to have a friend who knows us and who we know. These are things that are special to us about friendship. These are things that we seek out and desire in friendship. And of course, we see in Jesus Christ somebody who would be very, uh, very, uh, uh, much of an understatement to describe as the perfect friend. There's nobody who will ever know you like Jesus knows you. He created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. There's nobody who will ever be more available to you than Jesus Christ. You may have friends. I've got some friends, and you may have some friends where, you know, if you call them up on the phone, you're going to get through one out of every ten times. You know, they're not perhaps very available. They're not always there for you. Jesus Christ is constantly available. Furthermore, when you start thinking about friends, maybe you start thinking about, some people think about, the, uh, uh, the strength of a friend. Some people value friends because of the uh, good that they can do for them. And as long as it's reciprocal, that's not necessarily bad. But when we think about Jesus as a friend, we're talking about the God of the universe. We're talking about the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We're talking about somebody with unlimited resource. We're talking about somebody with unlimited strength. And we're talking about, somebody, uh, talking about somebody with unlimited knowledge, both of us and the future. Who here has a friend that is your friend you turn to when you need some wisdom? It's a blessing to have a wise friend, a blessing that you can turn somebody you can turn to and say, boy, I need help with this issue. I need a solution to this problem. Can you, can you help me with this? And of course, nobody has more wisdom than, than Jesus himself. Not just wisdom, but the amount of caring. Perhaps there's friends that you have who are just boundless, have seemingly boundless empathy. Somebody you can turn to when you are having a, a very, very dark time who will be there for you uh, uh, during those, those dark times. And, and we, if you just go down the list of things that we desire in a friend, we, we see them all fully fulfilled by by Jesus Christ. Not only in terms of Jesus and who he is and what he brings to the friendship, as it were, but also his desire for us. We see this reflected here. Uh, we see this reflected here that Jesus' desire for us is to be fruitful. And perhaps each one of you can think of friends that you have who make you better. You have certain friends, perhaps, who you think, maybe that person holds me back a little bit. They don't desire me to be at my best spiritually. They don't care about my best interests, even perhaps in other ways. They're holding me back. And then others who you say, when I am talking to that person, I'm not simply encouraged, but I'm inspired. 
to be and do better. Well, Jesus' earnest desire for us is to be fruitful. It is, uh, it is that we might fulfill the purpose for which we have been created. And of course, he intimately knows that purpose even better than we do. But he desires, he desires to show it to us. We see this even in the verse that we are described, that we are focusing on tonight. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. And this is the, the final thing I want to focus on in terms of the friendship of Jesus. I think the best friends are those who come alongside you and are going in the same direction. There are friendships of common interests. That's a blessing. Uh, and of course, that's reflected in Jesus as we ourselves seek to uh, continue in his love. We will have fellowship with him. We will have friendship with him. But a common purpose is something that's really, really quite a blessing. And we see here in Jesus that he is saying, listen, I am with you in this great purpose. And I desire to reveal to you what I have heard of the Father. That's his desire for us. And we see this that uh, perhaps if any of us have had experience with friends who seemed a bit duplicitous, who were working against us, who were talking behind our back, we see in Jesus the loyalty and the camaraderie that is so desirable. Now, this is what a friendship with Jesus can look like and what Jesus desires it to look like. Now, Jesus says, who's going to be my friend? What are the characteristics of a friend of Jesus? What is this commandment? He says, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Now, I think certainly we see throughout Scripture about uh, the commandments of Jesus. Jesus has quite a few that he commands us to do and uh, throughout Scripture. Yet, in this chapter, there's a particular focus on one commandment. And that is, and we see in verse 12, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. And guess what? This commandment is tied to earlier in verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. We see here reflected the two great commandments, the love we are to have for God and the love we are to have for one another. These are the commandments that Jesus is focusing on. On all these, on all these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus' commandments to us in the New Testament flow as logical consequences of these commandments. And these are his commands to us. Now, the, the less that we focus on these commandments, the less that we actually seek in the power of God to follow these commandments, the, uh, the less our friendship with Jesus will flourish. Of course, this makes sense. If you have a friend that you have a shared purpose with, that you have a shared vision with, that you have a shared affinity with, that you have a unity for, and you start to go in opposite directions, what tends to happen? Well, it tends to happen that with anything unequally yoked, that sooner or later that yoke is going to break. 
that yoke is going to break either suddenly and violently, or perhaps it's going to generally fade, uh, fade away. And perhaps we've had experiences like that with friendships as well. We grew apart. We began to be interested or see things differently. And of course, that makes sense for us, that as we uh, uh, are continuing in uh, the love of Jesus Christ, as we are continuing to serve him by loving one another and following his commandments, we will grow closer to the Lord. We will, uh, uh, he will be there alongside us and our, our relationship and our friendship with him, our love, uh, we will be more united with him. And as we draw away, uh, that, will be, that will be lessened. Now, what's fascinating about this chapter, however, is that we see that this friendship comes with it uh, a, uh, a flip side of the coin, as it were. I wouldn't say a drawback, I wouldn't say a downside, but I would say a natural consequence. And Jesus makes it clear here. He says, you're going to have to count the cost if you want to be friends with me. And it doesn't seem like much of a cost when we're reading it here, but the disciples were shortly to experience personally this quote-unquote, drawback of friendship with Jesus Christ. He says, right after the verse, these things I command you that ye love one another. This is a focus, a real focus of this passage, to love Jesus Christ and to love one another. And then he says, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. What, are they, what is he saying? He's saying that if you love me, you will be hated of the world. Now, we as Christians can fall into a trap when it comes to passages like this. We can fall into the trap of reading this as the world in terms of individual unsaved people. When the world here does not mean sinners individually. How do we know that? Jesus Christ himself was described as a friend of sinners. Okay? What this is talking about is the same as the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that is the, the uh, unsaved world writ large, made up, certainly, of sinners, made up of sinful individuals. But this doesn't uh, relate to individual human beings. Sometimes we can fall into that trap to some extent. We can start to say, well, that person hates me. I don't, uh, that is a natural consequence of me loving the world or loving the Lord. Uh, and therefore, I don't owe them love or friendship myself. Of course, that is not what is being said here. We see Jesus, even as he is describing his disciples as friends, showing love and showing a desire to love and be loved with uh, the people, the very people who were doing him hurt. It is worth noting that of the people Jesus is describing as friends here, one of them is in fact Judas Iscariot, who very shortly was going to betray him to a tortuous death. And we see in Matthew, what did he say to Judas Iscariot when Judas Iscariot came up to him? He called him friend. This is something that uh, we need to keep in mind. 
Sometimes we, have, we can get into a bunker mentality when it comes to these things, and it's important that we lay out, follow Christ's example. And yet, it is also important to note that we need to understand that if we are truly loving Jesus Christ, if we are loving one another, if we are seeking to follow in the word of the Lord, we will have persecution. We will have people who will uh, have a disaffinity for us as a result. There will be people that indeed perhaps even hate us. Now, what is the application of this, this message then? We're reading here about the friendship with Jesus Christ. And there would be a tendency, I think there's a bit of a tendency for me in reading this passage to look at this as some kind of form of uh, like a chicken soup for the soul, nice little warm piece of uh, pleasant truth. Jesus wants to be my friend. Jesus is my friend. Jesus calls me a friend. Isn't that nice? And we move on. But what is the application and the outcome from this passage for Jesus? Jesus is saying, I love you, and you are my friends, and I will lay down my life for you. That is what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying this also in a generally accepted bit of knowledge about friendship. Because the fact is, one doesn't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ to lay down their life for somebody that they love. We have plenty of examples of this throughout human history. This is something that is uh, a human characteristic. Uh, that is, uh, there, people, certain people are capable, or I think all of us probably are, but people have demonstrated the ability to lay down their life for those that they love, uh, and lay down their life in sacrifice even for their friends. This is uh, exemplified perhaps, uh, if you grew up like I did, reading a lot of uh, books about war with the stories in these books about people jumping onto grenades that were about to explode in their foxhole, sacrificing their life for the lives of all of the people in that foxhole with them. And we read that and many of these people end up uh, being uh, awarded medals of honor, and it's, it's a great thing. And we look at this and we say, and, per, and sometimes this verse is even quoted, that greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And yet this is what informs the rest of the passage. This is what informs the rest of this chapter and this idea of friendship. This is what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is saying, you are my friends. I love you. Now, first of all, again, if we're just jumping by this, this can seem as just a nice, interesting little tidbit. Jesus loves even me. Jesus loves me. You know, the, the, the songs play in our head. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. And we move along. And Jesus is trying to impress on them how momentous this is. Notice the love that he is describing his love for his friends with. What is he comparing that to? He's talking about the love between he and his father. We see that in verse 9. As the father hath loved me, 
so have I loved you. When he is describing the friendship, the love that he has for us, those who seek to follow in his commandments, those who are his children, he is saying it's the same as the love between he and the Father. That's, that, should be, that should shake our earth a little bit. That should, that should shake us a little bit. That should make us stop and take notice. This is a truly momentous love. And then he's, about to, then he's saying, when he says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm about to prove to you what Christian love is. I'm about to demonstrate to you what Christian love looks like. I'm about to demonstrate to you what Christian friendship looks like. I'm about to give you the ultimate object lesson. You're about to see. The object lesson of his love and his friendship, not only for those who were following him, not only for those who were his friends in an earthly sense. And again, as I talked about last week, I don't think it's at all a misreading of Scripture to say that there were certain people that were Jesus' friends in an earthly sense. Those that he had relationships with in an earthly sense that perhaps were different, though no less valuable, than the relationship he has with all of us as God. And yet, he did not simply die for his friends. He died uh, for, for all. And certainly he died even when he's talking about laying down his life for his friends. He's describing and speaking to one who, in fact, would betray him himself. So he's giving us this object lesson of friendship, this object lesson of sacrificial love. Now, why is this going to be so important? Because we see this throughout Scripture. Why is Jesus focusing so much on the relationship between he and us? This love, this relationship. Well, it's explained at the beginning of this passage. He's describing why this love and uh, remaining in this love, remaining in this friendship is so essential. It's because he desires that we be fruitful. And it is impossible that we should be fruitful outside of this relationship, this closeness with Jesus Christ. We see this here in the beginning. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Jesus loves us. Jesus is our friend. Jesus desires to see us be fruitful. Now, why does Jesus desire to, for us to be fruitful? Well, he explains it elsewhere in this passage, because that's the only way that we can abide in joy. The joy is the fruit of the Spirit. True, true biblical joy is a consequence of being in Jesus of closeness with Jesus, of following in Jesus' path in a relationship with Jesus. That is what joy, as opposed to happiness, is. Of course, 
each of us, perhaps as friends, we want joy, we want happiness, we want uh, these sorts of things, we want peace, we want love, we want these fruits of the Spirit for our friends. This is, that is what love is. We want good things, we want the best things for our friends. And that's, this is all tied into what Jesus is saying. He is our friend. He loves us. He desires us to be fruitful. He desires us to be fruitful so that we might have joy. And he desires us to be fruitful in the only way that that is possible, through drawing nearer to him and to this Holy Spirit. Drawing near to him in the Holy Spirit also has another consequence as well. If we abide in him and he abide in us, if we are his friends, then we ourselves ought to lay our lives down for the brethren as he did. We are, we are being called as Christians, and we are called when we come to Jesus to take up our cross daily and follow him. What is the cross the symbol of? We're about to, uh, in a little bit, have, have a time of communion. And why do we remember that? because we remember Jesus' sacrifice. And Jesus here is speaking about the reason for that sacrifice. He's talking about the heart behind that sacrifice. He is describing the love that motivated him to that sacrifice. It does us much good to spend some time not just skipping through here and going, yeah, Jesus loves me, tell me something new, but really sitting with this expression of Jesus Christ's love and heart for us and his desire that we follow in his way. Does us good to sit and meditate on this, to think on this, to really dig in like, a, like leaves uh, growing off of a vine, to allow this to percolate and to energize and to fill us. Now, Jesus' friendship with us again, is ordained from the beginning. It was ordained, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And what is related to this verse? And whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, of course, we don't take this to mean that if you're a Christian and you're doing good, you're, you're following him, you're trying to be obedient, anything you ask for, God's going to give it to you. You know, so a form of prosperity gospel. And prosperity gospel doesn't just take the form of the preachers on TV who says, you can have a, a private jet like me if you follow the Lord by giving me $100 that's going to let me buy my next jet. The prosperity gospel can take the form of others as well where we, think, we start to think, well, if I just follow Christ in a certain way, a certain type of obedience as parents, my children will be fine. If I simply do this, then my life will be smooth and straightforward. And we, don't, we certainly don't see that. Jesus is saying that that's not how your life is going to be, and he's about to prove it to us. Uh, he was about to prove it to the disciples, and he proves it here uh, by his, uh, his short and difficult life. And yet, he has come and ordained that we should be fruitful in him and that our fruit should remain and that our desire, our desires of God will be met. And of course, we understand that as we draw closer to Jesus Christ, as we are fully filled with those spirit, the Spirit, 
the things that we ask for generally are going to be things that are in line with God's desire for us. Now, by the way, that's not, that's not all the time. We know that Jesus is shortly to ask for something that is not in God's plan and, in fact, is shortly to ask for something that's not in God's plan uh, and that prayer is about to be answered. No. That's something for us to really ponder. Anybody who, who, who starts taking this passage out of context needs to understand that Jesus is shortly to say, take this cup from my, uh, me, but how does he finish? Not my will, but thine be done. So we understand that this isn't a blank check. However, it is an illustration of the friendship, the blessing of friendship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, my father... God the Father, the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, the creator of each human being, is somebody, uh, his love for me and my love for you are all of a piece, are all connected. The love that we have for God, the love that we have for Jesus Christ, ought also to be reflected in the love we have one for another. And Jesus is, about to, is saying as well, finally in this passage, Something that is a further indication, a further blessing of his friendship. Jesus is about to describe in the next passage, in the next chapter, that he, a little while and you will not see me. I'm going away. I will come again, but I'm going away. But he says in this passage, but when the comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. We see this not simply as a, uh, a friendship of a short amount of time. Each one of us, perhaps, has had transitory friendships. Perhaps in high school or college, you have friendships that, uh, of people that you're around, and they fade out of your life. Jesus is saying this friendship that you have, you disciples, that you have is going to be lifelong because the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is going to be the unity between us. And those of us who never experienced Jesus Christ in a physical way, who, doesn't, who don't know what his voice sounded like, who don't know what he looked like, who don't know what what he dressed like, or any of the other things that the disciples would have known about Jesus Christ, are still able to have this friendship with Jesus Christ, to still have these bonds of love with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now, again, coming back to the application piece, what's this meant to look like in us? Well, this is meant to look like, first of all, is a reflection uh, Jesus Christ's love and sacrifice and friendship is meant to be a reflection in our love and friendship and sacrifice for the people around us. And why? Because Jesus, uh, Jesus loves them as well. That is uh, something that uh, perhaps you've experienced. Somebody that you love and so you try to love their friends. Maybe sometimes it's a little bit more difficult than other times. But you try to love them because somebody that you love loves them. Well, with Jesus, we are meant to love the brethren. In fact, we are meant to love one another both because Jesus loves them 
and we love Jesus, but also as a calling card of what being a Christian is. This is what Jesus Christ wanted our calling card to be. Sometimes it's easy to get a little sidetracked on what our calling card is meant to be, and we focus on different things. And Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples through the love you have one for another. And love as expressed by Jesus Christ is love that is supernatural. We know the supernatural love of Jesus Christ because we saw it demonstrated. It's not demonstrated simply in his words, it's demonstrated in his actions. And that is the love that we are to have for one another. Not just, again, one another in terms of Christians, but that we are to have for our neighbors, including for those who do evil to us, who do terrible things to us, as Jesus Christ exemplified for us. That is the first application. And then the second application, we're going backwards. The first is love your neighbor. And, the first, uh, the, and then we're going to second talk about the most important, that is to love God. When we read this passage, this ought to spark in us a true uh, over, overwhelming outpouring of love for God. To think about and to truly settle into the fact that the God of all the universe, the God of creation, came to earth to suffer and die for us, and then condescends to call us friends. And to allow us to experience, even in an imperfect way, the love between him and the Jesus Christ, the Son, and God the Father, is something that should move us with awe, with gratitude, with love, and with a great sense of absolute commitment. This is something that uh, should touch us, should move us very deeply. This is why this passage, uh, when I really dug into it, was so, so beautiful and so meaningful. It's one thing, again, to read this passage. There's a lot of verses in this passage that we know in certain contexts about, okay, we know about the vine passage, and we know about uh, some of these other things, uh, these things I command you that you love one another. But in context, we're reading Jesus' thoughts and desires for his disciples. He, we are reading of his great love. We are reading of his friendship. We are reading of his sacrifice. We are reading of his desire for fruitfulness. So let's, as we, uh, as we conclude here tonight, let's this week, let's stop and think. Maybe, maybe after you have some uh, time with friends, because, you know, our, our earthly experiences can give us a small picture in some way of uh, what uh, our eternal experience is. If we have a good time with a friend this week, we have a lunch with a friend, we have a conversation with a friend, when we get done with that, let's, let's just stop and think and say, let me reflect on how this reflects on what Jesus Christ is to me. I just had an opportunity to pour out some griefs and troubles to a friend. Let me just stop and meditate on how God is there to hear and bear my sorrows. I just had an opportunity where maybe a friend brought some correction into my life, or a friend and I shared some uh, moment of joy. A friend encouraged me in a productive way. Let's stop and meditate this week on the friendship of Jesus. What a great blessing 
and what a great privilege to be uh, called the friends of God.